0: If you're wearing like a Trump shirt, for example, or like a, a Biden shirt, like there's like violence, right? So things have gotten much worse. Here in New York, uh, it would be dangerous if you were walking around with a Trump hat, like make America great hat or a T-shirt. <laughs> okay, uh, well, my name is Patrick. Um, I'm currently in New York, New York City, and I moved to New York right after university in 2014 um, because of work, of course. Uh, Prior to New York, I was in Michigan. Um, I went to university in Michigan, high school, and a little bit of uh, middle school. So I had been in Michigan since I was 12 years old, straight from East Africa, so I grew up in Kenya. I mean, a little bit of Southern Africa as well, and Zambia mostly prior to coming uh, to the States with my parents.
1: I didn't know you were in Zambia. I thought no. you were. I thought you were in. So you were born in Rwanda. Yes. Is that right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then this helps with the first question, which is. What was growing up like for you?
0: Well, it depends. <laughs> what does it depend on? <laughs> depends uh growing up where?
1: Well, you tell me. So you so you're born in Rwanda and then I was when... born in
0: northern uh northern Congo, which is kind of like a territory northeast territory uh Like historically, like it's part of Rwanda, but now it's recognised as part of the Congo, which is called Goma. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was two years old when I left, so I cannot really talk about how it was growing up there. That's why I asked, (laughs) growing up where?
1: Okay. So you don't have any memories of Rwanda or did you ever go back? No
0: since no nope. mm-hmm. yeah so I mean as a two year old it be a miracle to have memories <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do have memories uh growing up in Kenya and Zambia and um I think it was it was actually it, it was not bad you know Kenya uh what I remember was that um, the activities that uh, like kids, young kids did, were mostly like running. Literally, it's almost like a stereotype. Um, like you'd race each other and just like play tag and like see who's the fastest. Um, and then compared to Zambia, it was mostly uh, soccer or football. Okay. Yeah. So it's like just like a bit of a culture difference when it comes to sports. That's one thing that I remember the most.
1: And what age, so you went to Kenya when you were two? Yep. And this is because of the genocide, right? Yes, uh-huh. It's like mass exodus. Well, if you could get out.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you couldn't get out, uh, there was a high probability that you would get uh slaughtered and that also depended uh on what um ethnic group you were part of or like how your family composition was and as you know uh it was uh mostly people who are of tutsi who were targeted due to the fact that um the like the incumbent president uh, was uh, Hutu and was recently uh, murdered by a a regime, like an outside regime that considered itself Tutsi. So what happened was uh, people on the radio who, who were mostly Hutu, like the national public radio, went on there and they said they just killed our president per se, And go find um, like uh, any Tutsi that you you can get your hands on and straw to them, and they call them cockroaches. So and I call them what cockroaches.
1: And your family were Tutsis.
0: It's a combination of many. Oh yeah, Uh, I don't think. personally, like, I don't identify with
1: either. Yeah. And so how did you learn about this? Because presumably, well, yeah, obviously, as you said, it was like before your memory. So did you later, Mm -hmm. like, at what point did it, how old were you, I guess, when you became aware that what had happened and why you were in a different country?
0: I think it's as you start uh, comprehending, especially like learning um, languages, right? Like uh, initially, we uh, we were only allowed to basically speak English and French, all French. And But however, my parents did not communicate in those languages amongst each other. So gradually... I started learning um, Swahili and then Kenya Rwanda which is a native language of uh, Rwanda and also the northern part, the northeast part of uh, the Congo so as um, I start, as, as I comprehended those languages I also started learning about the reason we were in a foreign country okay because they they would talk about it especially when they had visitors from out of town, like uncles and aunts like that we've never seen. And then like, oh, I haven't seen you since, you know. And then they would also bring them news because like, oh, unfortunately, um, our brother was murdered as well. So like, that's how they also would learn about their family members. For example, um, my biological mother, she comes from a family of 13, and there's only I believe only two or three of them that survived:
1: Oh my God.
0: yeah, so you learn about and she you know, of course like there, there was not like um, Facebook or Instagram or the internet, even if that would have happened in the West, it would have taken time for you to learn about what had happened to your families, yeah.
1: And your mum, she went somewhere else, didn't she? She didn't go to Kenya.
0: Um, I mean, it took time. It was a, there was a a lag of time uh, when we all like got together. Yeah, because initially, uh, the parents like they were not living in the same household, so it like the uh, migration process, there was a bit of a lag for us to be together at some point.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so did you feel like you fit in in Kenya or like with the other kids?
0: Yeah. uh, And I think the main reason was because, um, I mean, as you are aware, Uh, the two main languages I speak in Kenya is English and uh, Swahili. And I know I have an accent in English, which is mostly influenced by the the first language I learned, which is French. However, my Swahili back then, even now I still speak it, was as good as my peers. So there was no... Like none of them could distinguish the difference, like or even they were not aware that I was a foreigner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so like yeah, so yeah, like I don't recall anybody treating me different because um, of uh, who I was. However, that started changing as I started learning new languages, different countries. So, example like, in Zambia, it changed a bit because I had to learn Chewa. Like we moved there without us knowing, and an ounce of Chewa, which is the equivalent of Swahili in Zambia, right? And uh, I would literally just communicate in English, even though most kids did not speak English. So in classrooms, I'll just speak English until I learned Chewa. And then my dad had like a little bodega, so the neighbors would uh, be envious because we we would we were doing. Like ec- economically wise, to some extent, we're doing better as foreigners. So there is that, uh, you know, envy, which is is everywhere, whether we talk about the UK or here in the states. So that's when I started, you know, feeling a little different, and that got amplified uh, when we moved to the states, because of course. There is no language that I don't have an accent in, <laughs> in the states, <laughs> so it's easily distinguished that yeah, he's for so, a foreigner nice, from
1: yeah. So how old were you when you went to Zambia?
0: So Zambia, uh, so we spent five, uh, roughly about five years, so kind of wound up um, in uh, in Kenya uh, w- with a few months. Uh, so I was eight. So two. That's five is seven, but those like months in between, so rounding up, and then uh, another like four to five years in Zambia, and then the states, I was 12.
1: And why did you move to Zambia for the economic reasons, or what was yes, why did you move?
0: So it was a bit easier, uh, to conduct business because um, there was a still a big opportunity to like uh you could easily set up shop so like just like a little uh like brick and mortar that you have like maybe 100 sqs uh, S- of uh different products especially essential ones like uh
1: hundred SKUs. That's so funny <laughs> that you're using such consulting <laughs> language.
0: So um, different variations. So they have like hundred <laughs> different products, uh, whether from, like essential things like um, uh, bread, milk, eggs, to like a lot of, uh, especially in Zambia, women, they love beauty products. So we will be able to import them from other parts of Africa, like South Africa, and then you can sell those.
1: Mm -hmm. And there was, why was there less opportunity in Kenya to do that?
0: Uh, Because we were in Nairobi, so yeah, sorry, I did not specify why. So Nairobi, which is the capital in Kenya, and then also Lusaka, which is the capital in Zambia. So if you compare the two, Nairobi is more commercially uh, developed, So you have uh, big players. So if um, a person can afford to buy, um, like, luxury beauty products, they'll go to the mall. They'll go to, uh, like, a a bigger store that's, you know, uh, much more developed. But, like, in Lusaka, especially outside, like, um, the downtown area, you have these packets of neighborhoods that are, very populated. However, there is no um, stores that can uh, sell to like uh, low, uh, like middle mi- uh, like middle middle class or like um, higher like high low middle class. I don't I don't know the terminology for that, but yeah, yeah. So yeah,
1: interesting. So that must have been. Yeah, that must have been a big move then. If you didn't know the language, and you did, you know anyone living there? Are um, you vaping? <laughs>
0: um, it's uh, we did know. Uh, let me see. Actually, no, we we did know like a few people, but who, they were not as close to us. Yeah. But Zambia does have quite a lot of uh, immigrants from um, the Congo and Rwanda because it, it is actually closer uh, than Kenya is, and then the languages are almost similar, like because um, they are all Bantu languages, and um, there is like some similarities. It's much easier compared to like, Swahili. So, here it it's mostly influenced by um, Arabic because of the trade that happened centuries ago.
1: So, did you end up making friends with other immigrant kids or
0: you made friends with locals yes. as well? It was, it was both, yeah. So, immigrant kids, especially through church, attending church. Uh, however, it was mostly locals because uh, the schools that I went to, I was mostly the only immigrant because most of the time uh, the immigrant kids uh, didn't go to school. So I count myself very fortunate because my father was very, very diligent in making sure that we attended school and, like, spent the extra money that we had for us to actually go to private school instead of the public schools.
1: Huh. And so did he... So what, the other immigrant kids would have been working in the family business?
0: Yeah, family businesses or just, um, like, yeah, just not going to school at all. Or they're just helping out or, yeah, or them having a job because there is no, the, the labour rules, or laws, they're not as strict uh, outside of the West. Even here in the West, like if it's a family business, you can start working out as a five-year-old.
1: Yeah. And do you know where your dad got his belief in education from?
0: Uh, I do believe it was because he had to drop out of uh, grade school when he was less than 10 years old after his father passed. And he ended up helping at the farm with his mother. And uh, fast forward in his uh, late teens, early twenties, uh, he started his own business, uh, like builds the first house in the village that had indoor plumbing and electricity. So he already he always, he always knew that he was intelligent enough to do uh, great things. However, um, and ended up doing it. However, all that was eradicated because of the war. Our house was bombed. The businesses were destroyed, ransacked, lost most, all the money that was in the bank. Uh, but when he looked at uh, some of his peers, cause he was in a, kind of like a group that were, his friends that were successful, whether they were doctors, like with lawyers, who had gone to education, who had a great education were able to kind of navigate um, a way of like kind of like um, still sustaining the status because the education helped. So, like, he imagined what if he had the opportunity uh, to go to university or even complete high school? Like, think, yeah.
1: That's so interesting. So he basically had to rebuild again from scratch. Yep. And then, how did the move to Michigan come about?
0: So we initially uh, were granted were granted asylum uh, in Chicago, and we lived in the north part of Chicago, um, which is called Rogers Park. Uh, predominantly um, Latinx neighborhood, Hispanic neighborhood, and uh, in the northern part of Chicago, I don't know if you're aware, it's very far from downtown, and um, it was difficult for them to find jobs. Yeah, so the northern uh, the northern part, it's the opposite of where um, the University of Chicago is. All right because the downtown Chicago is in the middle of the north and then the University of Chicago because the University of Chicago is in the south and um unless we spoke spanish um it would and then and, and, like the, most of the jobs in that neighborhood where we were in largest part were uh, were catered like our businesses were catered to uh, spanish speaking uh people, you know which makes sense. So my parents, of course, they couldn't speak Spanish. And uh, the only jobs they would be able to obtain were very far, like by, like, uh, you know, in downtown. And also they did not pay well. So we were in communication with some of our friends that we had actually met in Zambia and had been in the States uh, um for a few years already, and they told us, "Hey, it's uh, an immigrant community of people from uh, East Africa, uh, even Southern Africa, in West Michigan, and you will be able to get it um, like a job easily." And, and that's when we made the move. And within a month, both of them had jobs. Amazing in Michigan, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And what were your first memories of the U.S.? Like, were you happy to
0: well, move? Well, um, no. My first memory was actually disappointing. Um, no, I was really happy to move. I thought this was going to be utopia. Um, my first memory—I remember—it was at the. We landed in at JFK first, and then we had to uh, uh, we had to uh, make a connection to O'Hare in Chicago, so JFK. I'm waiting, like, we're waiting to, like, there another plane, and I see this American kid with a Game Boy, little game, and I'm like, politely, I'm like, may I please use it too? <laughs> <laughs> this kid ran away. <laughs> like I was nah. the devil. And I was like, wow, <laughs> rude. <laughs> That's when I started questioning things.
1: <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my uh... god (laughs) That reminds me of This is like the opposite But a friend of mine At Cambridge is from Ghana And had never left Ghana Until he Mm -hmm. came to the UK In the middle of a lockdown And his first experience at the airport Was like he tried to buy like Went and got a coffee and couldn't like his card wasn't working and couldn't pay for it, and then someone paid for the coffee for him, and he was like, "This place is amazing! Like everything's just free. People just buy stuff for you. just like, which is just not how it is, obviously." But
0: yeah, uh-huh. I think you you just have to. I mean, there was ups ups and downs, and then meeting people who are mean, people who are nice, and you just have to realize that. Like regardless where you are, you will meet someone who will buy you a coffee when your card is not working and also you meet someone who will run away when you even ask to like play with their little um video game. <laughs> right. So like that's everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how okay. Yeah, when you were talking about Chicago, I was just trying to think if we had ever been there together. Because I went for a few times um, with work. But I... Because how, how did we meet? Like, obviously, we met working at EY together. But was it on a training or something?
0: Yeah. Do it you remember? Was, uh, I do believe I remember. It was... Yeah, it was it was at a training and that was when um it was combined with uh the NBA hires as well because that's when we met our friend from Italy at the same time. Who I don't was know if that? you remember. The, the very nice guy from Italy. Uh but his name is I can't remember
1: but like yeah. Oh. Federico. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. I don't remember. Okay. That was... Okay. Anyway. What... Okay. What are you... Did we talk about what you're doing now? Did you um, say that no. in your introduction? <laughs> no, you just said you're in New York. Whereabouts yeah, in New York yeah. are you? This is also just for the audience, like, me and you catching up, having <laughs> On each other's lives. Uh...
0: <laughs> i mean, um, I'm in, mean, uh, Fide by right, where, um, the Cornell guys used to live. Oh, the so, same like, place the you've been district.
1: in. The same flight you've past, been for ages.
0: But, yeah, five years. Wow. So, and h- yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: How long have you been in New York now? Like,
0: so I'm pushing eight. So I moved here in 2014.
1: And what is so, your role now? Because I went and stalked your LinkedIn for the update and it looks like you haven't updated it in like seven years, unless you just haven't been promoted in seven years. Oh, wow. Really rude. <laughs> no, I haven't updated it. So what are you doing?
0: Me? Um, or is it a secret? No, it's not a secret. I'm just doing uh, some uh, projects. <laughs> that one cannot talk about
1: confidential stuff still work still working capital type stuff no stuff. not at ey where are you <laughs> yeah see your linkedin says you're still like a like the same position i was when i left at ey
0: yeah that would be sad um no because my peers, some of them are actually like senior managers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no, no longer UI. Okay. I will update you uh, on the. Uh,
1: okay. You're doing something yeah. top secret in New York related to finance. Or you've totally changed careers. <laughs> I think, mean, yeah, now, it, there
0: is finance it.
1: <laughs> you're now. An actor on Broadway. Uh,
0: no, I can't sing. You need a British a British accent. Sing. To to be on Broadway, mm. a British accent.
1: <laughs> really? I
0: okay. should edit that out. Sounds like I'm making fun of British people.
1: <laughs> no. Not at all. Okay. So So when so you moved to New York from Where were you before Grand Rapids? No, sorry, that's um, in Michigan. No. Should we go back Michigan.
0: to Michigan? Yeah, so yeah, I went to so we moved from Chicago to Grand Rapids, which is west Michigan. I uh, around 30 miles west of Lake Michigan. And I went to like middle school for like a year there, and then high school. Um, Then for university, I went to Michigan State University, which is in East Lansing. Uh, Is that near Grand
1: Rapids? uh,
0: No, it's about 60 miles, which, I mean, in the States, it's considered near. But in Europe, it's considered like you're almost in Russia from where you are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's like a two-hour drive or something.
0: Yeah, roughly an hour and a half, two hours, yeah.
1: And what was school like in the U.S.?
0: So school, high school was weird because I think that's what most of the culture shock uh, were, uh, like, was more prevalent because I went to school. I was fortunate enough to go to, um, like, um, a private school which actually is connected to the former Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. So I went to school with her kids.
1: Yeah. Isn't she, like, I don't know how to describe her. Sorry?
0: Yeah. Her family are billionaires, and there was a lot of other students who were, like, very, very well off. So, like the people who run West Michigan, like more, especially the Christian Reformed through the church, they, uh, like I went to school with those uh, uh, students, those kids. So, like, uh, yeah, so the culture was quite different.
1: But because she's a like Republican, I thought she was from the South or something. No. Oh, no. She- the, yeah. But she's, like, yeah. has a kind of different accent. I mean, she's not, like, a New York Democrat-type person. No, that doesn't matter.
0: Actually, I didn't even see most of the politics as much. I know her husband did run for governor uh, while I was in school. I remember that. And then, uh, but, yeah, she... I mean, they were less, like... Uh, radical in their views, conservative views um, until 2016. Like it was not bad. There was no uh, violence if one did not believe um, like in democratic views or Republican views. Like it was just like you will have a debate and then that would just end. Like I remember even when because Obama, uh, McCain, Obama, that was I believe my senior year like um, our history teacher and also government teacher, like held debates from both point of views. And then you have students who are wearing Obama, students who are wearing McCain. And that was very like uh, civil. But now like people get beat up. Like if you're wearing like a Trump shirt, for example, or like a uh, a Biden shirt, like there's like violence Right, so things have gotten much worse. Yeah.
1: Really? Like pe- mm-hmm. like physical violence?
0: Yes, it's physical violence and also um what do you call it? there's also um a lot of uh property damage, vandalism, like uh like my family like in Michigan they were telling me uh there was like a house that had Biden um posters and then you had people like, maga people who went and, like, threw, uh, like, teapot, like, toilet paper at the house, like, destroyed, like, a lot of the exterior because, you know, they have been indoctrinated in a certain way of behavior, just like January
1: 6th. Wow. And I'm not,
0: yeah. And it's also like, there are instances where, uh, like, I don't, like, it's not about the kids, especially, like, the younger kids, like, in middle school, like, kids who are in uh, 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 early teens or even, like, under 10. Like, if their parents are Trump supporters or Republicans and they give them, like, a, a Trump shirt, like, they get bullied. And it's not the kid's fault, right? It's what the parents view. And they transfer it over to the kid. Kid doesn't really know much. So and I get bullied by people
1: who
0: are radical left. So, like, things
1: have gotten... Huh. And that... Okay, and that's all since... Because, yeah, I haven't been back to New York Mm -hmm. since I left, which was... Yeah. When was that? Five years ago. But so we would... Yeah, so we worked together when um, Trump was elected... I remember that, like, I thought work, I thought work would be cancelled or something. <laughs> like, because it was so crazy in New York. Like, yeah. um, just people on the streets everywhere. I remember going down Fifth Avenue just to see, because it was, like, just all roads blocked off. Like, there were just, like, thousands of people mm-hmm. blocking off the street. Just, it was so weird. Um, but do you reckon that's kind of the turning point? Where,
0: yeah. Yeah, so uh, So, things are no longer civil. Sorry? Yeah, things are no longer civil. Like, you cannot have a civil debate or conversation when it comes to different political views. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, uh, before, like, you could literally be at a um, dinner party and you can talk about differences. Like you can talk about McCain, Obama, and then have a decent debate without people becoming mad at each other or you know, violence. But now, it's like, for example, you here in New York, uh, it would be dangerous if you were walking around with a Trump hat, like a MAGA, like Make America Great Hat or a T-shirt. And so,
1: really, people yeah, will heckle oh, yeah. you,
0: or oh yeah, yeah like wow. a lot of the yeah. So like you know how uh, Trump has a lot of buildings that uh, in his namesake, right?
1: Mm.
0: So uh, the only ones yeah, that's lived, too...
1: to I lived opposite one my first um, yeah on first Wall Street right? on Wall Street yeah
0: yeah. So that one still bears his name because he owns it so the ones that beared his name because of licensing because you know some buildings are like oh we're going to have the trap name we'll pay him uh, like loyalties or whatever license fees to, to have it because it's cool so those uh, the residents, especially if it's it was like a, a condominium they had they have voted to remove the name the only the ones that he out like phones still bear his name.
1: Interesting.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And yeah, a lot because we're vacant. <laughs> <Still>. Interesting. <laughs> Cause yeah, I remember um, the parties we would have or we would go to and it was always like you talk about politics, like but it was always very, it was like, okay, this guy, you know, believes especially around like the Cornell guys, it would be like always talking about different views and someone would be from a small town in like Maine or something and be saying like why they believe guns are really important. And, mm-hmm. you know, and but it was always so respectful and it, mm-hmm. it was, people are disagreeing, but it's like, okay, cool. You know, it's more like, cool, you vote for this because that's where you grew up and... I don't yeah. know. It was like we just have conversations about. Yeah. That it's like that was how you spent. That was like what you did for fun, kind of thing. Like
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't. Or I don't mm-hmm. know what else we'd talk about. But and and that's what I loved about the U.S. Actually, because, um, you don't necessarily do that in other places. People don't necessarily talk about the issues. But do you mm-hmm. think that's that's just way more sensitive now. Like, people just steer away from topics, or it just gets really aggressive if you start talking about it.
0: Yeah, it's because, like, it's like, no, there is isn't like it's rare that you find, um, like, people, whether Republicans or Democrats, uh, who are willing to talk about. Um, like the political views, if they are not extreme on either side, so the ones that you do see talk about are the ones that are you know very extreme, for example, like um, I don't know like if you've been following Roe v. Wade got overturned, so if you cannot start talking about your views as a as a Republican, most likely you do believe, oh yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah, (laughs) Roe v. Wade should not be (laughs) the law of the land. And also when it comes to immigration, like, I don't know if you saw uh, the governor of um, uh, Florida uh, Florida and Texas, they literally bust uh, migrants who had been admitted, legally admitted, in the States, to century cities, so liberal-leaning cities like Martha, Martha's Vineyard, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and, um, and New York, without being transparent to those migrants as to where they are going. They literally um, lied to them. Like, there's a bus, the one that went to Martha's Vineyard, uh, they told them that they were being taken to Atlanta, and then unbeknownst to them. They literally, they like the governor spends millions of dollars shattering them, first bus and then airplane, and they land on an island. And of course, the people are a beautiful island. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. They gave them clothes, they gave them food, and all that. So, like, if you republican like extreme you're gonna be like oh yeah those are illegals i'm like well first of all if they're illegal immigrants then why did you bust them into the heart of america why did you put them on a private plane jet like if they're illegal then do not admit them whatsoever so why
1: (laughs) so why did they do that i haven't heard
0: about Uh, this in spite so they wanted to um basically it was like a political stunt for them because uh, they're like, oh you, you, you're pro immigrants, you're pro-immigration migration, then deal with it. And then they were probably expecting uh, those because like people in matters and vineyard, they're very well off for the, uh, for the most part like uh, Jeff Bezos has a the house there Oprah has a the house there, Obama's the Obama's have a house there.
1: Yeah, so it's like holiday they, houses of
0: Really nice. Yeah, uh, so they were expecting uh, those people to to go crazy, like the residents at Martha's Vineyard, and and the the way, uh, like the cra- the crazies who hate immigrants would act, but they were welcomed with open arms.
1: And where so they were
0: expecting were they- that, so the um, the governor of Texas is actually being investigated for human trafficking.
1: Wow. So they came oh. from Texas and they were oh. from Mexico originally um, or
0: all they, over? Like Central, South America, and then, of course, they, they went through Mexico. Most of them actually were Nomex. I think they were Venezuelans, the ones that went to um um Matospinia, the, the ones that were trafficked to Yeah. So, yeah. And then also when it comes to guns, right, like you were mentioning earlier, like someone who came from a small town and they had guns, everything was sell and be happy, we'll talk about it, give your opinion. But now it's like kids are getting shot, like game, mm. and there's nothing that's being done
1: yeah, that's probably, I was probably a bit dishonest that that was the one thing, the one topic I could not <laughs> talk about was gun control because I would get so upset. Like, I would happily I be remember. like so, talk. Uh-huh. Do you remember? Yeah, because at work as well. It's like uh-huh. we'd have had these conversations yeah. all the time. So interesting. Uh-huh. Like, everyone was so into it. Like,
0: when mm-hmm. whenever
1: there was some, you know, it's like CNN or whatever would always be on in the background. Like, everyone's following what's going on with, in politics. Um, but Um, yeah, I remember someone at work being like, um, people die from, like, natural disasters and cancer anyway, like, it doesn't matter that they die from, you know, like, something like that, and I was like, oh my god, I just can't have this conversation. But I guess, yeah, that's also just because I come from somewhere that got rid of like now i'm now I'm way more kind of now I'm just kind of interested in why people have views, and I realize because I had to go through that with Trump, like I don't really like the way I behaved, like I was very judgmental of people who voted for Trump, like my boyfriend at the time's parents, and I was like how that is like how could a woman vote for him? Like, blah, blah, blah. I was so... But that wasn't me trying to understand. Like, now I more have the approach that it's, like, trying to listen to that person and, like, what what are they worried about? Like, what are they thinking about that's making them do something that I wouldn't expect? Because, yeah, there were people at work, like, people think it's such a, like, oh, only rednecks or something. But I remember at EY, in the office, there was... You know, I bet a drink on this with someone. They were like, you know, this person voted. Like, this girl voted for him. And I was like, no way. And we had a bet. And then I went and asked her and she was like, yeah, I did. Because, yeah, you couldn't really admit it. You kind of had to lay low, which is not really what, I don't know, so complicated.
0: Yeah. And then now, like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, um, like, the way I look at it is there is one thing. It's like, uh, like, if you choose party of a country and then there is a problem. Like, there is one thing to, like, I do, like, I'm actually an independent. Like, I don't, like, I have voted for either parties, but mostly uh, in, in locally. That's when I like vote for. I flip proud but nationally, because like we haven't really had great candidates um, from the Republican side. I, I know, like I, I love Obama because I voted for Obama, and then now the other guy came. Like there's no way, like it's just like principles and character. Like that's not a person I would want to even be my neighbor. But McCain, I would. I wouldn't mind him being my neighbor. I wouldn't mind him being um, like a mentor, uh, like in this. Uh, but the other guy, whew, the former guy. Mm-hmm. So that's when, like, I ask the question: Like, what do you see in him? Do you actually believe in this real? T-? Like the things that he is spitting out of his mouth? Like, yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah it's just
1: yeah. So, the other thing that's really seemed worrying from afar is that the um, vaccine stuff became really political, which I didn't realise that you couldn't ask someone if they've been vaccinated because that was, like, a political question, or Mm -hmm. that's what some Americans have told me. Um, Yeah. Because, yeah, that gets very scary if it something that's to do with health care becomes to do with who you vote for. As in, like, your own personal health choice. Yeah, and I think
0: it became politicised. And that same thing goes back to the character thing, right? The former guy was all like, you know, like, just catering to his base, saying that, hey, um, um Your body, your choice, like, do whatever. Also, like, um, kind of, like, acted as if he did not get vaccinated, but he was one of the very first people in the world to actually get vaccinated and then he hid it from the fabric,
1: right? Yeah, of course, he because he's obsessed (laughs) with germs, right? I know. Yeah. uh I've told you about my friend who's met him, right, who's like, Mm -hmm. and it's like he won't shake hands, like, he won't he's like obsessed with like hand sanitizer and stuff like before Uh like many years Uh before the pandemic yeah
0: so yeah so that it's like another red flag on his leadership and all that just lying to the people just making i think he's like uh and one thing i can give him credit for he is really great at making ship of people what does that mean? So oh, you know shape. how sh- shape, uh, yeah, yeah, mm, like yeah. So like basically, that's what he was tr- he he was trying to do, and he also did accomplish it, right? Like uh, like those people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, like they were not like a lot of like uh, they are not deplorables, like Harry said, like that. I think that's one of the things that killed her candidacy just like looking down on people like calling them sheep like you know they were not like uh people like Haley Beers or whatever you had people who were lawyers yeah people ex military people with PhDs who who were monks you know
1: really storming uh-huh. the capital yeah
0: yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so
1: yeah it wasn't what was- john doe <laughs> What was the reaction to that when it happened? Uh, Like, because you were, yeah, you were in New York when it
0: happened. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was sitting right here. Um, I actually was like in the middle of the day, actually, and then I had beers in my fridge. Just cracked one open, started watching. (laughs) So it was, it, it was scary, but. To be honest, I was kind of relieved and happy, in a sense that a lot of people, especially here in the U.S., they take like uh, our peace, liberty, and uh, freedom for granted, and there were a lot of people like you were saying they didn't mean harm who voted for the other guy and still are uh, like supported him but I wanted them to see what can happen if you are complicit. And that was just a little taste because usually one thinks that, that 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 would that would only happen or ever happen in a third world country. And that's actually one of the things that Nancy Pelosi was saying. They just released a new footage of Nancy Pelosi, Shark Schumer, uh, like in that little safe uh, bunker while everything was going on. And then she was like, this is third world country shit. That, hey, no. Idiocracy does not discriminate if you're complicit um, while you complicit about having a leader who's like, preaching evil, uh, you know, division, and hatred. Those sheep will rise up when they don't get their way. And that's what Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah, so I think it was a great lesson. And then after that, you did see a a lot of uh, prominent uh, Republicans come forward and condemn him. I think it was a nice little lesson.
1: So do you think there's hope for going back to how it was when you were at school where you could be a Republican, you could be a Democrat, you can and you respect each other?
0: I believe so. I think it's gonna take uh, two more cycles. So about ten years. Oh, even okay, three. So let's just say, tw- uh, yeah, so it's going to be 12. So three more uh, rounds. So you have 2024, 20, and then you're going to have 2028 uh, uh, 20, and 20, 2000. What
1: is it? <laughs> 12. 32. 20, 30, 32, yeah, 12. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. wait is that right Twenty thirty, yeah 2032
1: yeah huh. when's and... the next election 2024 mm
0: mm-hmm. yeah but we have uh the big one that's coming those are the uh, primaries for co- uh, congress right so the house and the senate so in november so that would determine uh if one which the most important one the senate if because uh, right now we have, yeah, we have fifty, fi- yeah, so we have fifty Democrats, and then uh, no, I think we have fifty, yeah, we have fifty Democratic senators, and I believe forty-nine Republican. So it's almost split, and then the tiebreaker is the Vice President. So if there's a tie, the Vice President. Is the one that breaks the tie. So right now, um, like if you look at the forecast, it, it, it could go either way. So the, the Democrats could uh, gain an additional seat. So that way everything will actually be concrete. Like there's no filibuster and they can do whatever they want, um, especially when it comes to qualifying Roe v. Wade on the, on the federal level. So without like normal like or each state can decide like if abortion is legal or not so it's gonna be on a federal level just like uh, uh like um, marriage equality like it's no they have to codify that too because they're trying to make it into uh like a state rights thing like marriage equality and uh, that's yeah
1: yeah, I think yeah, that was pretty surprising for me. Um even yeah, not that like this is even that the abortion thing was still something talked about when I and this is what I think that Australians and like don't a lot of people adopt views from the US and they see stuff online, but it's like and I mean you've been to you've been to Melbourne and yep. met my parents. Yep. <laughs> and friends and the kangaroos. But it's, like, people, like, you would have picked up that it's, like, a very different country. And we don't, like, abortion just hasn't been uh, talked about in the mainstream, like, for, like, years and years. It's, like, not in my right. lifetime that I'm aware of. And same with guns, right? And so being in the US, I don't think people understand that um, that the social issues... Um, or even, for example, like, would never have a a politician have to stand up and talk about how they go to church or, you know, which seems to be the thing with Trump, which is, yet yeah, funny about Trump that he just says this stuff about Yes, <laughs> goes to church and whatever, which just obviously isn't true. But it's, like, that's what you have to say. It's, like, that whole social, those social issues and those, like, deeply kind of... Religious ideas, I guess. I just haven't experienced that in the UK or Australia. Um, But the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is how... The thing that was really shocking to me about the US is how patriotic it is. And I wondered how you... As in from the moment you step in the airport and it's like you see the framed photo of the president. And you... um, you know, July 4th, and it's, like, celebrating. Although, I wonder, has that toned down now that people are, like, thinking more about the past and the history of the US?
0: Like, toned down? As
1: in? Is in people, like, oh, should... You know, because it's like people would say... I think I heard that every day I lived in the US for four years america's the greatest country in the world it's like that's really like we're the best like this is so great but now that people are thinking more about what happened in the past
0: or is it still like that it is still like that because um i don't know people and no i don't think it's changed but um The one thing that lacks, like people should realize, is uh, it's it's very sad that um, when someone criticizes certain parts of our country, whether it's uh, policing, uh, especially policing uh, the way we treat. like our neighbors, like uh, here uh, in, in south of us, immigrants, like, they get a lot of shit thrown at them because like, they are deemed to be unpatriotic. But that is a very, very stupid way of looking at it because you Criticize something because you care about it. Like you evaluate your well-being, your mind, um, your mental health, because you care about yourself. You don't ignore it. You seek help. You you find ways to fix it. You you when your engine check engine light comes on on your car, you take it to the mechanic as soon as possible why can't you be open to doing so about the nation that you care about the nation that you think is the greatest same as a marriage like of course you you don't get married to someone you think is not the best in the world right but when you something um like red flags come through or there's a little bit of uh indifferences that develop over time, if you really care about it, you diagnose it and you seek help. And then worst case scenario, you ignore it. And then there's a divorce, you know, like you separate, you know, there are people who give up, who, who have moved to Canada. There was a mass, uh, like diaspora to Canada and then also to Australia from the US after 2016. Those people are the ones that are like, hey, I, okay, might be the greatest country in the world, but hey, I do not want to be part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I even found that with stuff as simple as like the holes in the road in New York, like when people would look down on me. And I wonder if you experience this much, but it's, like, people... I guess it's just ignorance, like, lack of education. Um, But people would really, yeah, treat me... But this is also educated people. Anyway, would really treat me like I was from this, like, really, like, terrible place and I had to, like, climb my way out of there to make it to the land of opportunity. And it was just so shocking to me because I'm, like, there's no holes in the road where I come from. It's, like... (laughs) Things seem to work. But it there's no
0: there's no holes in the road where you come from because everything is a hole.
1: Okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I know, it's 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 quite uh sad. Like I've been asked um uh, you know, like many times a people assume that I lived in huts in Africa, right? Like, what did I eat? And I was like, really? (laughs) Now imagine Australia, like, still. Like, (laughs) if people can say such things to you from Australia, which is in a lot of benchmarks, it's better (laughs) than here. Uh, Now imagine what they say about Africa. (laughs)
1: So do you feel proud to be American?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I'm willing to work. I'm willing to educate uh, those that have no crew what's outside the border. And mind you, regardless even if you're educated, there are a lot of people who have never left if, even their own state. Yeah, so there are people who would be shocked. For example, if you grew up in Maine and I've never left Maine and went to West Virginia, you'd be like, what in Zimbabwe is this?
1: <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask you about that. What do people in Michigan, like what do your friends back there think of New York?
0: Well, you have some that, of course, like the thing is like amazing, great and uh, also, you have some that say it's a heathen city. So heathens. So it's like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah to them. What? Yeah, they, they 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 see it as Sodom and Gomorrah. What's that? You, you know, like it's the it's that place in the Bible that God destroyed because he was too sinful. Like, people were having oh. orgies. People were, like, having same-sex relations and all that. And then God literally, like... That's why, like, remember there's, like, a statue of a woman who turned into salt? I think it was Saul's wife or something like that. Because she looked back. Like, God was, like, leave the city if you want to survive. And then she looked back, in a sense, like, she still wanted part of that, and then she turned into salt. <laughs>
1: Interesting. I'm learning so yeah. much today, Patrick. <laughs> okay. And what do they think of you living there, or it's just kind of good for Patrick? He's making his way in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, like like I should come back, but like I don't need really to listen to people, but their opinions. <laughs> but yeah like like yeah like west michigan for example like a lot of people like if they have, if they want to go to a big city uh, they go to chicago cuz it's nearby and then they don't even last long like within a few years they go back like a lot of my peers did that yeah and i only know you see two or three people from high school uh that Uh, In New York.
1: Mm -hmm. And do you see yourself ever leaving?
0: I mean, I want to retain residence here, um, even if I don't live here full time. But yeah, I I can, yeah, definitely. But I do definitely want to have a footprint here at all times because this is my home. York. Like New York. Yeah, like New York, it's like, it's a different country
1: within a country. <laughs> what do you like most about it?
0: I just feel like most people can just be themselves and, like, nobody, like, you probably noticed it, like, for the most part, like, unless, like, you're cross with, like, it's like France, like, nobody really gives a shit about you. Like nobody's gonna take time out of their uh, day and look at you as a stranger. Like, what the hell is going on? People just do their own thing, and it's because people are busy, or also it's because there's a lot more things to think about when you're in this city compared to like other places. Like people, probably spend days talking about you, going to church, praying for you. <laughs> if you were dressed a different way or change your hair color to
1: yellow or something like that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it is such a special place. I remember it's, yeah, it's so just, it would be like a Friday night or Saturday night and it's just like, you just text whoever. It's like, where, where should we go? What party should we go? You know, it's like, and even, yeah, if you're having a party, it's like you have no idea who's going to turn up because there's no loyalty like that. It's just like you go mm-hmm. where the kind of city takes you or whatever. Like, we yeah, me and you have ended up in such, like, random situations. But it's just, like, fun yeah. and then you meet <laughs> people. But everyone seems to be like that. Um, yeah, so it is... Yeah, I guess the downside of that is if you're not... Keeping up with the because, yeah, it's like everyone's working hard, it's hard to, and then just like partying, I guess it's hard to slow down. Like, do you find that you're you can slow down and do normal stuff, like go for a walk? Or,
0: oh, yeah, like, uh, like let me see, is yesterday or the day before, like, I woke up like, like 6 a.m., went. I run because I wanted to see the sunrise and then on Sunday I did nine miles of activity saw so the sunset I've been going to the gym and like yeah so like I think as like we age like we're, we're 30 now or something like that uh, you find like a value in little things like having a picnic and just going like you know like doing like a little getaway outside City, you know, going hiking, canoeing, and all that. Rather than like uh, having a, a bottomless brunch, like, I don't do those. Like, I don't partake in drinking, like, during the day whatsoever. Cause it's just like, I feel like an idiot. Cause they hope the rest of the day is like grew it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, in our early 20s, that was like, oh, I can do it.
1: And did you stay there the whole lockdown? Yep. What was that yes. like? Were there lots of people around or did many people leave the city?
0: Many people left the city. Yeah. And it was, I don't know, it was weird. But like, a lot of things were still open. Like, of course, like not, not nightlife. Uh, I could get anything that I wanted, like essential things. I bought a bike. So I would cycle every day. I would do 10 miles a day. And then I would just like read, watch things that I never watched before. And of course, like work kept me a little busy, but it wasn't bad. That's a lot of diffraction. That's when you realize that like, uh, you're capable and you don't need, um, affirmation from others to feel that you're valued you know, you gotta value yourself I think it did change me in in that sense like right now I don't have patience with idiots like if someone is being mean to me or other people that person is done like I don't even have energy to even confront them I'm like (laughs) adios
1: nice uh
0: huh I feel it's like weird. you never
1: had energy for that.
0: It's gotten worse.
1: I think that's a good way to be.
0: Yeah, uh huh. And then, yeah, I had a few friends. Like we we did a lot of park things, like Central Park, like like when it was nice out, like played some games, kicked around the football, and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And has it gone back? Has the city gone back to normal again?
0: Oh, it's been more than a year. Yeah. Everything crosses at four if not like twenty four seven. And uh yeah, there's concerts. Madison Square Garden has been sold out multiple times by different artists. Um like Harry Styles was just here, did a whole week. Uh Burner Boy was here uh, before that, and um games, like but, yeah, so like even there's no uh So it's been actually, yeah, it's been way more over over a year. Like, you don't have to show proof of vaccination to entire establishments anymore. Like, even boarding an airplane, you don't have to do that. And you don't even have to wear a mask.
1: did, um, Did a lot of things close? Did a lot of businesses not survive?
0: Yep, a lot of them, yeah. Bars, restaurants... Like, you remember Delmonico's, like, on... Uh, the the like steak Restaurant? Yeah, yeah. It's the oldest restaurant in New York City, I believe. It, it shut down. Permanently? Yep. It hasn't opened its doors since the pandemic.
1: Huh. Yeah. But have new places popped up? Because I'm asking because London, even though, yeah, there's no, I mean, I feel like the UK, we never, like we had rules, but they weren't really necessarily ever followed. So it wasn't like a big, and we never had vaccine checking, but it was, it's still like, it's just, but I think it's more with the supply chain issues and the employment issues. It's like hospitality has not gone back to normal. It's just like restaurants can't open because of staff issues or, you know, it's it's just kind of like the city has been changed permanently. It's like stuff just doesn't really seem to work properly. But then there's all the economic reasons and stuff as well.
0: No, but here people have found new ways of uh, doing business. For example, like uh, one thing that, two things that are very obvious that have emerged from the pandemic. One is out, outdoor dining. So most restaurants literally have like an outdoor seating. And that's even now in the winter, now that winter is approaching, like they are actually creating more like that are kind of heated and they are they're, they're comfortable. Like it, 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 it's more like Europe now because that's mostly like if, you, like if you're in France, uh, Italy, Spain, you have a lot of outdoor seating. So that's one. And then two, technology. Uh, for example, like this is probably already there in Europe, um, like to help with uh, like uh, staff shortages, um, like most places now, like if, when you enter the establishment and you see that you can actually like use your phone, scan the code and look at the menu. You don't have to wait for the waiter and then uh, order through the app and then they'll bring your food and drinks to you, whenever. So, you know, like prior, before, like you'd have a, you would have to wait for a person to come and make sure they go around and do that. But this expedited, like it's more expedient, and then you don't need as many people to cater uh, to the patrons.
1: Ah, do you still yeah. have to so, give them the twenty percent tape or whatever it is? Yeah, it's America. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't get over that when you have to tip, like hairdressers. Oh, the yeah, it's not only the hairdresser; it's like the person that washes your hair as well. It's like they they get separate tips. It's like, can't you just put it in the price? <laughs> like, what? It's
0: annoying. On? Yeah, it's after kind of easy monster.
1: Great. Is there anything else? Oh. <laughs> I feel like this has just been a very random conversation. Um,
0: yeah, and it's going to be, be fun editing.
1: <laughs> no, I don't edit them at all. You don't? No,
0: because
1: oh, well. it's fully genuine. Well. I don't want to trick the audience into some, you know, It's like, this is just two people chatting, honestly. Um, Is there anything else you want to say?
0: Uh, Let me see. Oh, I have plants now. I'm a plant daddy. Plants? (laughs) Yeah. Nice. How about
1: you? How is everything? Are you
0: you still Airbnb? Uh, No, really. Since the pandemic, mm mm-mm. And, like, no travel, because for the most uh, part, I was doing it because of travel, like, uh Monday to Thursday, thing. So you might as well have someone use it, make a little extra money if you're overpaying for a place and you're not, you're not there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did that as well. Did okay, can I ask my last three questions?
0: Oh, three, Okay.
1: <laughs> and then that I ask everyone except most of the time I forget and then I'll tell you about me um, when we stop recording because I don't think the audience really cares Um, (laughs) to hear Um, okay so is there a book that had a big influence on your life?
0: yes okay so It's a theme. There's three. And you did ask, like, um, so the one thing that was shocking the most was that I learned about African history here in the U.S. And it wasn't because I was at, like, high school or there was a mandated class, like, part of your prerequisites, uh, to learn about it, like for example, like you, you you read To Kill a Mockingbird because it's part of the curriculum in, in English uh, class in high school. So I went out of my way and specialized in African studies. So the one book that was very shocking to me was King Rheopold's Congo. So it's about uh, the colonization of um, the Congo by Belgium. So King the II is the one, like the things that they uh, they did in the heart of Africa it was crazy. And then the other one is uh, things fall apart by Chinua Achebe, some people say Akebe, So he writes about like Nigeria, like before colonial times, like before the British, and also during the British, like how everything changed, especially when it came to religion and all that. And then the other one is this little book. It's actually (laughs) it's very easy. Called "The Heart of Darkness" by Joseph oh, Conrad. I
1: have that. I uh-huh. got it as a get. I got it. I don't know somehow it's on my bookshelf, but I actually don't know anything about it. So please, yeah, continue.
0: No, you should read it. It's very short. Yeah. So this talks about, I guess, uh, again, uh, it does talk about the cargo. So I'll I'll let the audience. I, I won't go through it. They can uh, they can uh, do a little quick notes of it. Yeah.
1: What was the first book on the Congo called?
0: King Riel uh, Congo. Let me make sure. It's, uh...
1: And was this at uni? You spoke uh, focused on African studies. Yeah. Let me see. Book.
0: Let me you, actually... Oh, sorry. It's King Leopold's Ghost. The like Ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Uh huh. That's why editing is important. Take out my. <laughs> no. Yeah, so yeah. That's so... even. That's, that's. Yeah. How so it's gonna be? Yeah. Yeah. That okay. is, yeah. What were we gonna Second say? Second question.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Second question.
1: Oh, second question. Do you meditate or do you have any mindfulness or spiritual practices that help you? Um,
0: no. It's mostly running. So exercise and then doing things that calm me, like cooking. Like, past two, three months, for example, I have made most of my meals unless it was, like, a a friend's, like, event where we have to go out and eat because it's someone's birthday or just catching up. So that, like, kissed me, calm.
1: Wow. And, yeah, that's a big deal for New York because I don't think I cooked one single time the whole... (laughs) The whole time I lived there,
0: the apartment by your stove was brand new.
1: (laughs) My stove? Well, I don't think the apartment even had a stove. You don't remember? (laughs) Um, I think on Super Bowl Sunday I made something to bring. (laughs) I remember it was a very sexist party where the women had to make something to bring. I didn't understand that. Anyway. Um, okay, last question. What are the three words that describe the person how you want to turn up in the world? Show up in the world uh,
0: Oh, okay, so I want to be compassionate. Regardless uh, where I am, whether I'm making $20,000 a year or a few million dollars a year, I want to be compassionate. And then, two, I want to be useful, whether to people, the environment, you know, our society to be useful. And then uh, three, I want
1: to be happy. Nice, <laughs> that's the first time someone said that, but that's a really good one. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, no worries. Thanks for the invite.